a lot in healthcare, it, what happens is we're just doing it, you know, patient experience to check the box. Um, and the best way I can tell people how you know is look at someone's org structure. If the chief experience officer reports three or four levels down, I don't know then that it's really, really a priority within an organization. Um, and you can't embed it in a culture if it's not a priority. Welcome to Conversations That Matter, a podcast from Unifor. Here, we explore the latest customer experience trends, sales insights, innovations in AI and automation, and more with well-known thought leaders and industry experts. Tune in and join the conversation. All right, everyone. We are excited. We are excited for World CX Day. Welcome, everyone. My name is Randy Kassar, and I'm the host of Conversations That Matter, a podcast by Unifor. And today is World CX Day. So we got two great guests. We're going to bring them right on, and we're going to get the show started. So as we said in the, in the little preview that uh, before, introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, and let's bring on our amazing guests. So there we go, our hey, amazing hey. guests. Uh, so we have Sean Nason up in my that side. We have Jeannie Walters down below. Um, no particular reason why they're in those sections. <laughs> no offense. Is, no offense yeah. taken. <laughs> awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you guys for joining us. You guys are the CX evangelists and the CX experts out there in the community. I see your content every single day. You are teaching us all about why customer experience drives success, which is the theme today. Mm -hmm. And so uh, let's uh, kind of get going uh, and, you know, some short intros uh, that we'd like to do. So Sean, uh, we'll start with you, your author, uh, you're a podcaster, you have a podcast called the Combustion Chronicles podcast, which is great. If you guys haven't listened to it, definitely check it out. Just do a search for it on your favorite podcast directory. Uh, your books, Kiss Your Dragons and The Power of Yes. So that's super awesome to see. And you're the CEO and co-founder, Chief Experience Officer of MoFi. So welcome, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, the Combustion Chronicles, Jeannie was actually on it. So you've got to listen to that episode, <laughs> which I did. So that was a great one that we did. So um, nice. it's great to be here, Randy. And thank you. I'm so excited to be with the two of you today on World CX Day. Yeah, I mean, this is amazing. So I know there's some folks in the comments uh, that introduced themselves. So thanks, guys. We, this is for you. So we want the engagement uh, and the conversation to be all about you. We have some preset questions that we're going to ask. But if there's things that are just challenging you on a day-to-day -day basis within your customer experience world, whether that's your title or not, um, we, want it, we want it to be able to here to help you. So we're here to help you. So let's get going. Um, we have uh, Aileen, a customer evangelist from Connecticut. We got Jamie Watson from Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome, welcome. Uh, so thanks, guys. Love that you are joining us here. Uh, in terms of Jeannie, so yeah. let's talk about her. <laughs> so uh, Jeannie, you're the host of the podcast called Crack the Customer Code. You're a CX expert and speaker. Uh, and your amazing content on LinkedIn training around customer experience and customer journey mapping is phenomenal. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, I know we've had it on the podcast before, uh, and Sean's for the first time on, on our podcast, so you guys are awesome. So thank you uh, both for joining. 
Thank you. So happy to be here and happy CX Day, everyone. This is a reason for celebration. Totally. Uh, you know, this isn't uh, Thanksgiving or the holidays. You know, this is our version. I don't think Hallmark has a card for us, but I think next year that might get change. That. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would definitely we might get have on some it. designers on here that might could create one of those. That's this, true. That's you know true. what? That is a challenge to our community, either that's listening to this podcast on demand or listening to this live. If you could design your favorite Hallmark card for CX practitioners, what would it be? Mm, good um, question. That is an awesome question. And, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Hallmark, talking about customer experience. Uh, my wife and I, uh, my wife tuned me into the Hallmark Christmas uh, movies, and that's coming up soon. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> going to start crying. All right. So uh, theme, CX Draft Success. So the first thing that we want to ask is, for both of you, what is the biggest misconception or myth uh, towards CX that you keep on hearing that you'd like to debunk? So uh, mm. Jeannie, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think what I see a lot is what I call CX by platitudes, where people think if we just talk about it, if we just say to people in our organizations, like, do better customer experience or treat customers better or uh, customers are first, then it will magically transform a culture and a strategy. And then they kind of scratch their heads six months later and go, were we successful? Were we not? So I think the myth is that customer experience is not a business strategy when it absolutely is. And the way we talk about it at our company, Experience Investigators, is by calling it three things. It's a mindset, it's a strategy, and it's a business discipline. And if you don't treat it that way, then you're basically relying on magic and good thoughts and good wishes. And we see this all the time. And I'm sure some of you out there do as well. Yes, uh, I definitely can relate to that. <laughs> um, so love, uh, we got some people ch chiming in. Carrie Hamilton over in Anaheim and Tucson. Thank you for joining in. We also have Christina from NYC. Excellent. Awesome. So thanks for joining. Uh, Sean, what is your biggest uh, myth that you'd like to debunk, the misconception that you keep on hearing? Well, I think Jeannie just stole my first one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> great no, minds, no, great I, minds. I think that's a good thing then because we're both on the same page. I think it's, you know, knowing that um, what I call quit doing CX is a check the box. So, um, and this is, a thing in the industry, you know, quit doing experience management, but doing experience as a strategy. Got to start doing that um, to make it happen and to make it effective. And I think the second one that's kind of um, related to that is I would really like to, I don't know if it's debunk or break down the silos. Why do we talk about customer experience as something very separate than customer success or customer service. We need to debunk that because it's all one and it all needs to be brought together and managed um, the same way um, and not as separate teams, in my opinion. So that's the one I, I, I'll um, take. Um, but I totally agree with Jeannie on the, <clears throat> you've got to manage it as a strategy. If you don't manage it as a strategy, that's what leads to this checking the box. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. CX is not an a la carte service. Uh, definitely not. All right. Um, so first question uh, after that. So thanks for kind of just kind of setting the stage. Uh, love to hear from you guys out there in the interwebs. 
if there's a misconception or a myth about CX that you keep on hearing within your job that you're like, I, I just I just had enough. I can't keep on explaining to people why it's so important and why it's driving success. Let us know in the comments uh, or email us at podcast at unifor.com or hit us up on Twitter at Unifor. Uh, right. We got uh, Mark showing up from Atlanta, Georgia. Oh. Hello, Mark. Awesome. Mark, awesome. Good to see you. All right. So thanks, uh, Mark, for joining. Happy CX Day to you. All right. Um, so the next question, uh, we, we talk about CX as you know a strategy, but you know it isn't just within the CX uh, you know organization or department. If there is one, even at, at a company, so how do you embed it within the culture? How do you not make it a siloed kind of a strategy or solid position? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this goes for let's start with Sean. Um, yeah, you know, so many of you know um, Randy Jean. You know, I spent seven years working at Disney. And there's this thing called the Disney way, right? Oh, and sure. yeah. there's there's no options to it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? Like, I hate to say it, it. They're not the only company right now, right? Like Chick-fil-A has their way of doing things. But that happens when it's purposely done from the top down. <laughs> and I just don't know that you can effectively manage CX. Um, if your C-suite um, is not bought into it, because if it's not bought, if they're not bought into it, um, then it's really in a check the box moment. And, you know, yeah. unfortunately, I've done a lot of work and I, I see a couple people on here um, who have some experience in this as well from the healthcare space. Um, Brian being one of them, I just saw his comment. Yeah. Like in healthcare, um, a lot in healthcare, it, what happens is we're just doing it, you know, patient experience to check the box. Um, and the best way I can tell people how you know is look at someone's org structure. If the chief experience officer reports three or four levels down, I don't know then that it's really, really a priority within an organization. Um and you can't embed it in a culture if it's not a priority. Yeah, sure, for sure. I, can I piggyback yeah. on that? Because I'm yeah, right there do. with you. And one of the things that that we talk about is that we, we can't do any of this without intentional leadership, right? You need people mm-hmm. who talk about this in a way that is also backed up with resources, with investment. I mean, I can't tell you how many customer experience leaders I know who are literally told guess what? You're in charge of customer experience. Congratulations. You get no team, you get no resources, and we expect amazing things. (laughs) And you're not really allowed to be cross-functional as well. So the, the ROI that comes from customer experience, if you actually see what customer experience leaders talk about, they report higher return on investment when they have higher cross-functional collaboration. And the only way that can happen is if you have leadership who understands and encourages that and creates the org chart in the right right way and actually invests in these things. How can we say customer experience is a priority when it doesn't have a budget or when we don't have goals? I mean, that's the other thing. I see a lot of organizations, when we talk about intentional leadership, we talk about defining a customer experience mission and defining something we call a success statement, which is 
if we do this, this is what it will do for the organization. And this is how we know. This is how we will measure it. Because if we don't have those things, we get these really cool goals like be friendlier. (laughs) And then we have no way of measuring that. And in a year, everybody kind of goes, well, I guess customer experience doesn't work. And I think we just set up leaders again and again in these ways where their leadership isn't really committed to it, isn't really treating it like it's part of a business strategy. It's treating it like, you know what, we told people that we were going to talk about customer experience more. And so let's do that for a little while, but pat, pat, pat on the head. (laughs) And and again, piggybacking on what you were just saying, like I, I, if you can't, uh, I always have said this, and I, I have a finance background. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you can't impact the top line or the bottom line, quit doing it. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and that, you know, again, I, I, I love Brian's comments, and Brian and I worked for the same company at, at one point. Um, you know, the, the CEO... And the COO, particularly of that company, they wanted to see what the financial impact was to the company, right? So you have to, I also say to embed it in a culture, and this may sound harsh, don't promote someone to lead CX if they don't know how to talk business. Mm -hmm. And not just understand it, right? So the reason I see so many CX leaders struggle is that they don't know how to talk to the C-suite and they don't know how to manage that. And they just, I, I, I love what you said there, Jeannie, you know, just be happy. Yeah. What <laughs> hell does just be happy mean? Right. How does that financially impact our company? Um, you know, again, working for Disney, it was just the culture. So. Yeah. All measurements were wrapped some way around guest experience. But those um, were wrapped with revenue as well and with yeah. cutting expenses. And that's the yeah. next part of it. Yeah. So when we define that success statement, we literally break it down into what are you saying to your chief financial officer? How will yeah. you talk to your chief marketing officer? Because if you don't, like every business, no matter what it is, wants to increase revenue and decrease expenses. Of course, of course. And mm-hmm. so if you can make a case for that, then people will start sitting up and paying attention. But if you're if you're only talking about those CX metrics, after a while they go, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> and they move on and it doesn't really impact them. But I see we're getting questions. <laughs> yeah, uh, so this one comes from Mark with economy down, he meant. Uh, mm-hmm. Companies are cutting back on everything except their prices. So what would be the top two things for a company to invest oh, in to help ensure question. excellent experiences? Oh, this is awesome. Let's just get started on those. Questions. Mm-hmm. If you guys have any questions, feel free. Mark, thanks for chiming in. I love this. Yeah. Uh, who wants to take this one first? I, I think it goes right back to what we were just talking about. Figure out what are the levers you can pull in customer experience that will make an impact on your bottom line. And sometimes what that means is looking in um, unconventional places, meaning, you know what? We've noticed that we have a lot of customer complaints that lead to retribution. We're refunding people. We're sending them discounts, yeah. whatever. What if we could solve the root cause of that? What would that mean for our organization? Invest there so that then you're reducing expenses, you're improving the customer experience longer term, but you're also making sure that you are delivering on those business results 
Because that's what happens is they start seeing this as a line item of expense yeah. instead of seeing it as something that's returning onto that investment. Yeah. And again, Jeannie, I, I just piggyback on that, right? Like I, I would say invest in your front line. Mm -hmm. um, so let's be real. You know, we have a lot of CX leaders here on this call. There's 50 plus people sitting on this call. We've all worked with some type of contact center in some realm who are typically the lowest paid employees in a company, your contact center, right? And how, and they have a high turnover rate. Guess what? Begin to empower them, pay them more and incentivize them. That's how I would do it right now. Mm -hmm. That's a great, great point. A, especially <laughs> well, uh, with today's uh, labor market, right? Like, yeah. because employee referrals actually are better employees that has, you know, you get more, you get them up to speed faster, they get hired faster, all of these things. So if you can have happier employees who are willing to refer their friends, that's a, a real business win as well. And we don't often talk about that when we're discussing CX, but that is absolutely part of it. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we haven't really dived into employee experience, but that's definitely one of those things there. Um, you know, we're all, you know, everyone knows in terms of the economy downturn, uh, we're seeing the great resignation or the great reconsideration, you know, quiet <laughs> quitting. I mean, whatever the term is of the day, um, one of the key things is that the employee experience is key for people to really focus on. And it is, it, it is the one driver for not just keeping employees there and retention, but also for, for growth because mm -hmm. happier, well, I'll say it again, happier employees <laughs> equals yeah. uh, a better uh, customer experience. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And I vice versa. That, yeah. That, you know, when, when I was at Disney, they invested in cast members. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They made sure that we as cast members and, and most people don't realize this. So this may be a secret that I'm letting out for Disney, but uh -oh. Disney doesn't pay the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't pay the top salaries in the industry. Uh, honestly, they pay about 25% under industry average, but how they treat their cast members and the benefits that you get as a cast member makes you want to do that. Um, I have a very dear friend who still works in a call center at Disney who won't get promoted because the way that she is incentivized, she makes more money that way then she becomes a leader and becomes salaried. <laughs> uh, interesting. Right? So it's back to that. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's talk about um, in terms of who is responsible for CX. And, you know, it, it's it's changed over the years. Um, I think you might might agree. I mean, what was it like 20 years ago that role was even ex you know, existing? It could have come from the customer care department. It could have come from... I don't know, uh, on, the, on the revenue side, maybe? Uh, what was, let's, let's just talk about that just for a little bit. Like, what was it like 20 years ago mm -hmm. uh, if we were looking at CX? Who had that role? I, I don't think there was a formal role, right? Like, mm -hmm. that was part of the challenge is that when you really think about what happened and the evolution of this, there was a period of time before the internet where a lot of organizations had so many layers between themselves and their customers 
there was so much pain of switching for customers that they didn't have to really be great. And there were all these barriers to really investing in this. And it was really the internet that came along and opened up a whole bunch of information. We suddenly had access to customers in ways that we hadn't before. Social media, reviews, all these things started ramping up. And that's what made leaders pay attention. And so I feel for these leaders who were in those kind of legacy roles at these legacy organizations that worked really well for sometimes a century or more. And then they had to totally shift and they're still working on shifting their cultures. They're still working on all this because it worked well for a long time. It worked well for Kodak. It worked well for Borders. It worked well for all these manufacturing companies that are B2B that never thought this would impact them. And so when we see all of that, of course there wasn't a leader focused on this. I think what I'm seeing is that yes, there are chief customer officers, there are chief experience officers in many organizations. However, a lot of this is falling on chief marketing officers. Sometimes it's falling on chief digital officers. I've seen it with HR people. I've seen it with tech leaders because they're not really sure where to put it. But to what Sean was talking about earlier, we really need that leader at the top and the leaders at the top who can make sure this is all orchestrated because otherwise, no matter what you do, it gets siloed again. And that's the exact opposite of what we want for a holistic customer journey. So I think that it's it's a more complicated issue than sometimes we give it credit for. And it's kind of the bane of our marketing existence sometimes because people say, who do you, who do you work with? And I'm like, oh, look at all the titles. <laughs> because they're, yeah. it's not really about the title. It's about, you know, I think of them as like the change agents, the people who are here learning today sure. because they want to be they're probably, they might not have customer experience in their title and that's okay. It has to kind of organically happen. Yeah, huh? and my add to that is, you know, I started with Disney 19 years ago, right? So I we didn't talk about it as CX or guest experience. Again, it was culturally embedded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The guest was taken care of, you know? Uh, and I remember it was about creating the magic right? How do we create the magic for him? And Lee Cockrell, if you haven't read the book, right? Like he's the one that brought that to life and operationalized this whole thing for Disney. You know, so when you say who owns it, um, yes, everyone in an organization should own it. But again, you have to have someone at that C-suite level reporting into the senior leadership, reporting into the CEO, to direct and guide it throughout the organization. And it's frightening to me, and just what Jeannie just said, how many different people and then how many different ways it is owned within an organization today. It, it, it's mind boggling yeah. to me how it is. Um, no wonder we have such a cluster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a question, uh, more of a comment, but uh, I'll turn it into a question. More business schools, MBA programs need to offer CX coursework. This can help add more credibility to the field across many industries. Um, you know, we talk about training and, and kind of um, that. V- I was talking to someone yesterday at, at Epicor, uh, and he was saying that he's leading a change around uh, CX education around the whole organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we well, think about the courses, yeah. <laughs> 
And so, but if we think about it, as the next generation is coming, you know, from college and graduating, um, do we think that there needs to be more of these, you know, a curriculum and coursework that can help them as they go into the field? Oh, uh, let me, because I worked in higher ed for a short stint, and even now, um, Michigan State University, right, mm-hmm. is offering a degree in it. Here is my whole thing about that, and I'm gonna, I'll tell a personal story from a finance perspective. Again, when I worked at Disney, I was in my master's program at Rollins um, College in uh, Winter Park, Florida, and I was sitting in a finance class, and our, our professor was teaching a finance, the capital finance model. Okay. Out of a textbook that he had written. And at that time, I worked in a capital finance role. And I calmly raised my hand and I said, Dr. Singleton, how many days have you worked in corporate America? And he stopped and he said, well, I haven't, Sean. I finished my master's and I got my doctor's and I've been a professor ever since. And I said to him, so how can you teach a capital finance model when you've never even worked in that role? Because I work in that role and everything you're teaching is bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. I ended up in the the dean's office of the grad school. Uh, uh, 30-something years old, got sent to the principal's office. You're out of here. You can't offend, you know, the professor. My concern is, yes, do I think it can be taught? I do not want academic people who have never worked in this space teaching others how to do CX. That is also some of my issues with certifications. Yeah. Like it it just, you have had to, I'm sorry, Jeannie, I know you've got them. You've got to have the scrapes, bruises, bumps, Mm -hmm. sleepless nights, been fired from a job, right? Like we've all... You have to have that experience to truly understand it. So if if higher ed's going to teach it, make sure you're doing it with someone who has been in the trenches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I agree with that. I also think that I feel for the people who are trying to teach it right now because I think business, marketing, customer experience, it moves very quickly in today's world. And so a lot of the models that did work for a long time no longer work. And my example of this is you look at traditional business plans and they focus heavily on acquisition. How do you get those customers in the door? And then you literally turn the page and it becomes inside out operations and they never talk about the customer again. Right. (laughs) So we that's why we have not been taught this in general. So very smart business people, very smart business educators just were not given these models because they weren't even around or because they're just not keeping up with the pace of today. And so I do believe that there's a place for education. I don't know if it's only with higher education, but I think that there are ways that we talk about business that simply don't include customer experience. And we need to work on that as we go forth. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Jeannie, uh, for that comment. I, definitely, in my mind, we all need to reach out to our alma maters. <laughs> we yep. all need to uh, go and, 
and provide advice to the next generation of CX yeah. prof uh, professionals. So definitely do that uh, if you guys are out there. Uh, reach out to your alma mater, whether it's high school, whether it's college. Uh, it, we need to share the stories mm -hmm. of what is the role, what's the opportunities that are out there, because there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. And shout out to Michigan State and shout out to, uh, <laughs> you know, Arizona State. They've got a, a program as well. So the fact that they're trying this, they're pioneering this, I think is really important as well. And I think we need to understand that, right? So, Judy, they're pioneering it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we need to have that flexibility. Um, and I'm hoping that as they've designed those programs, um, and I know a little bit about Arizona State's more than Michigan State's, that as they're pioneering those programs, that they're bringing practitioners mm -hmm. in. Yeah. And that's that's what I've seen. Yes. Um, by Thank you. Yeah, good. Um, and I see your question that you put up there, though. Can I make a little correction? Because I did not say virtually nothing resembling. I just said that <laughs> this was when it kind of became a thing, became a bigger thing. Yeah, it's been around. And I do think 20 years ago, it, it immersed into something um, bigger. And I even like your point. I don't even think it really fully immersed completely until the Internet mm -hmm. became a thing and things were so different because... Yeah, when when I was at Disney, it was definitely a thing, and I and I see there's another call, there's another comment in there, Randy, about human centered yep. design. So, I'm a graduate from Stanford D School, went through human centered design. It's been around since the 50s. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think where we, honestly, and I would love to hear Janie, yours, and Randy's perspective on this. I think we have done ourselves an injustice in the industry because we have siloed so many things into CRM, CX, EX, employee experience, DX, digital experience, this X, that X, this X. Mm -hmm. It's all over. Right, it's all over the place. We've, we have made it harder on ourselves as an industry, as practitioners, than it ever should have been, Yeah, in my opinion. Like it needs to be one. That's why where we, you know, at Mofi, we well, talk yeah. about we talk about the experience ecosystem. Mm -hmm. All those things are in the ecosystem, and in the very middle is that member, that guest, that patient, whoever you want to, whoever that is, that human in the middle. Going back to you know human centered design, right? And all those things have to work together. And and I tell people right up front, listen, I get it, I'm spoiled. My very first corporate job after I left non-for-profit was Disney. Um, and then I became a Walt Disney Imagineer. Mm -hmm. so, um, and then I was recruited into a healthcare company um, at the time, Humana, that was going through a major transformation. And they were dumping money into this. Um, and then I had that aha moment of, what do you mean every company doesn't function like this? Right? Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, I just think we've killed ourselves, and I would love to hear your perspective, Jeannie and Randy, around that. Like, yeah. how do we break down all, all the slang, and let's just talk about experience. Yeah, uh, one of the things that I think we sometimes surprise people with is this idea that this is happening whether you invest in it, whether you manage it, whether you even say the words customer experience. This is happening. People mm -hmm. are are having an experience with your organization yeah. that is influencing their perception, their behavior, mm -hmm. and that in turn affects your business, right? Because so 
I think part of it is we talk about CX as if it's this thing that gets bolted on or that if we don't talk about it, it doesn't happen. And that's just not the case. So everything we just talked about, human-centered design, digital experience, all these things, those are all kind of management tools in our toolkit to actually manage the customer experience, to lead it with strategy, to do all of those yeah. things. And to your point, Sean, especially in today's world, we need to talk about the ecosystem beyond just our organizations because customers come to us from all these different ways, so many different channels. Mm -hmm. They are not a one channel. You know, I hate when we say like the digital customer does this because <laughs> who is that exactly? Um, because yeah. we all have these multi-levels, nuances, all these things. So I think part of it is we don't talk about these things as strategies and tools and disciplines. We talk about them as if it's this whole, like one thing at a time. And that just, that's not how the world works. Yeah, how do you pull up? Go ahead, Randy. I was just going to say, you know, when I think about kind of my experience from on the digital journey, the, the social journey, which my role focuses a lot on, is it needs to be one defined and everybody needs to mm -hmm. agree with that definition. Um, and sometimes people don't even realize they're doing customer experience. They don't realize yeah. that what they're doing is, I mean, so these titles are, are, um, are there, but it shouldn't limit you on what you're doing, right? Just because you don't have a, a title of customer experience doesn't mean you're not doing it. You right. probably already are. It's just not done in a maybe integrated fashion. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of times customer care isn't talking to, to marketing or, or sales isn't talking to engineering. Um, so th there's a lot of opportunities there to, uh, and it's usually a change management, change transformation, a digital agent that's going to be the person that kind of speaks up and says, you know, enough is enough. Let's, mm -hmm. let's get together. We need to have these meetings on a, on a either biweekly basis. We need to, have some data transparency that really focuses on showing what the customer is saying and what they're not saying mm -hmm. so that they can eventually, the company can eventually, you know, optimize and evolve their, their, their experience for better outcomes. Right. Cause at the end of the day, if you're associated for a public company, you know, you're, you're meeting investor demands, shareholder demands, mm -hmm. uh, you need to make sure you, you hit whatever you, talked to them about and that's all about success and about whatever those that ROI is so I think there's a lot of um, misconceptions mm -hmm. uh, that I think we we debunked quite a bit <laughs> today <laughs> and uh, I think we, we've done it quite quite a bit uh, you know we're well, not, it, it, uh, and I like this yeah ju just to add on to this and there's a comment in there Randy from Taylor about it's almost like CX has become a fintech solution. Oh, yeah. and, 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 you know, Randy may remove me from the stage here as I start <laughs> into this. Right. I got my finger on the pulse. Ready? That's right. Listen, we don't need another Medallia, another Qualtrics, or another Prescani in the healthcare world, um, or another digital solution. Um, created that says mine is better than yours um, because um, right now it's one of the most invested by venture capitals is trying to figure out this consumer world. 
And it scares me to death how much we have tried to digitalize, if that's even a word. If not, uh, it's now mine in my Sean world. Um, how much we have tried to digitalize the consumer journey um, when it can't always be done. And you can't, you know, a CRM solution being sold into a company isn't going to be the answer. Right. It's just another solution being sold in. If it goes, and this goes back to the beginning, Janie, of what you were saying. If there's not a mindset and a strategy mm -hmm. and some type of measurable outcome to it, quit buying those solutions. Because well, all you're doing is wasting money. I think one of the biggest challenges that I see is a lack of data centralization. And what that tells me oh, is that we have all these solutions out there in an organization with all this customer data but this one doesn't know what this one's doing. So when they call into that contact center, that person has no idea that somebody just went through something or ordered something and refunded it or whatever. And that is a huge challenge. And it's a bigger challenge for legacy organizations who grew up with all these different systems that didn't have to talk to one another. And now they have to figure out how do we integrate all this? How do we predict things for our customers if we can't look at their history, if we can't understand their past behavior? And so I think that that is one of the biggest challenges in the industry is getting that right, figuring out how can we centralize the right data so that the right person sees that along the right moment in the journey. Because if we don't have that visibility, then there's really no way for us to deliver on uh, something that will improve outcomes. And collecting feedback and tracking that is not customer experience. That is an important part as long as you're connecting it to actual actions and insights and outcomes. And if you're not, you're just collecting surveys and that's not really valuable. I mean, I've been in rooms where we've all agreed this is a terrible thing to do to a customer and everybody nods their head. And then some leader will say, we should send out 20,000 surveys about that and make sure. No, you don't have to do that. <laughs> if we decision. all agree that that's yeah. a terrible thing to do, then that's a terrible thing to do. So I think that part of what happened was we got so data heavy that we started collecting data for data's sake. And now we're moving to a point where we are being more strategic, but in order to do that well, we need the right access to the right data at the right moment. Yeah, and, and, uh, if I could have my pom-poms if I was sitting at my desk at home. <laughs> That's what we do for next year, pom-poms. Right? Like, I, I would right. be shaking them. I'll, I'll do my my snaps, right? So, uh, sorry, Sean, just one second before. Uh, we, we got some more questions coming in. Uh, so thank you guys for chiming in with questions. Uh, if you believe in what Sean and myself and, and Jeannie are saying, give us a thumbs up. We want to... Kind of, we don't want to just be speaking to to our screens. That's so, right. That's um, right. But go ahead, Sean. Uh, we'll take your 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 comment, and then we'll go on the next question. No, I, listen. I said it. I said it from the platform that I and I remember it was at the National Retail Federation, which is probably the biggest users of NPS scores. And I said NPS should be thrown out the door. Yeah. And I remember it was like sucking the wind <laughs> out of the whole entire room. I don't hate data. But we've got more data than we know what to do with. Then we're not doing anything with it. And I think that's what Jeannie was like. If you're not doing something with it, yep. quit collecting it. Yep. And but, if you don't know what you're going to do with it before you start, 
then don't start don't because start. it's wasting the customer's time and your time and resources. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's the next question. Oh. Uh, ecosystem. Good term. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. And I'll tell them um, we have this defined on our website of what we look at it at mofi.co. Um, and it really, and I love that you put it in there, including multiple vendors and how they can focus around the customer. And I, I hate to go back to this story, but it's a really simple story to really understand what I mean when I talk about an ecosystem. If you have been to Disneyland, Disney World, or any of the parks in the country, and you walk down Main Street in the Magic Kingdom, you run into a cast member selling balloons, those really big, obnoxious balloons that have Mickey heads inside of them that light up. I love those. They're 20 or $30. They're ridiculously priced. I buy them every time. But all of us parents <laughs> have bought them every time. Right, Randy? Yeah. Um, when we know that they can't go on an airplane, that, that it's going to pop, and we buy it at the beginning of the day, and we have to carry the damn thing around for 10 or 12 hours, right? Yep. Yep. But we still buy it. What most people don't know about that is the cast member that's actually selling those balloons is a third-party vendor. They are not actually Disney cast members. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Uh, it's a third-party vendor that Disney contracts with to do that. But they're held to the same expectations as any other cast member. The only reason, here's another little secret I'll give away if people don't know it, is the name tag. If you look at a Disney name tag, a cast members always will say their name and what city oh, they're, city from. they're from. Mm -hmm. yep. If there's not a city where they're from, that is a vendor. Hmm. Um, because they don't do that for vendors. Um, or at least they didn't. I don't know if they do now. They may have changed that policy, but they used to. They didn't do that, and they didn't have the castle on it. It was just their name, but it was in the same type of name tag. But they're held to the same thing. If you go to Disney Springs in Florida or Disney downtown Disney in California, all those vendors are held to the same standard. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so ultimately, who manages the ecosystem? Well, that goes back to that discussion beforehand, right? Like if you don't have a chief experience officer or chief customer officer, someone when operations will own that. Um, but it has to be part of the ecosystem and it has to be part of that embedded culture that we're talking about. Yeah. And I'd, I'd actually say that I bet this looks to me, this looks different in B2B organizations in some other complicated, like, you know, those who serve the government, those, you know, there are all sorts of things where we can't always control that, right? We can't always control the partners. We can't always control the behavior. What we can control is actually defining what are the expectations that we will live up to in our customer experience and what where are the boundaries right like mm. we can't just accept oh that that vendor is always awful yeah. <laughs> i guess that's just how it is now the other thing that this leads to is when i when i think about the ecosystem i'm also thinking about what impacts the customer experience that we don't even touch right like uh, I mean, Disney figured this out long ago. Parking is part of the experience. You know, driving in is part of the experience. The music. When, and 
Exactly. And so thinking about the ecosystem from the customer's real life is super, super important because otherwise you will miss opportunities to really create positive moments that can overcome those negative things that will happen. So I think that we're going to be hearing that term a lot more. It's, it's more and more pertinent today. Well, and I think it, you know, the reality of it is, and I don't like to say the digital experience or the digital, you know, avatar, Right. The reality right. is all of us yep. own one of these. See, yep. there we are on camera. Um, <laughs> all of us, most, like, I think I saw a statistic, 98% mm-hmm. own some type of cell phone. Yeah, some device. How easy is it to use, whether it's an Apple phone mm-hmm. or an Android? Ha- that is measuring customer experience for everyone every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to order something today before I left town um, for my wife, I got on Amazon. I left town at nine o'clock this morning and it was just delivered and it's one thirty, four and a half mm-hmm. hours later. Amazing. Huh? Right. So yep. it was just delivered at my home and all I had to do is go on Amazon, find it, click it. And it's there. Yep. This is a measuring tool for all of us in the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If you're not looking at what's happening here, um, then you need to be. Um, and across industries, quit just looking at your own industry, go across industries. Yep. Uh, we're going to uh, jump on to rapid fire. Uh, you know, you guys have been amazing with your great questions. Keep them coming. If we don't answer them today, we'll definitely uh, follow up with you individually, uh, especially if you're on LinkedIn. Um, and we're going to go to rapid fire. So we're going to talk about and we might have already said this already, but what is, for both of you, this goes for both of you, what is your most memorable conversation with a, with a brand? And memorable can be negative or positive. Uh, go ahead. I have one. I'll say mine at the end. Memorable conversation with, with uh, who? A brand. With a a brand. brand. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, it's memorable because it's recent. I had to... Um, I was overcharged for something and my son had actually pointed it out on our mobile phone bill. So I called and said, Hey, this looks like I was overcharged. And she basically was saying, "Mm -hmm, you were, how about an upgrade? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't even listen to what you were saying. And uh, it got so frustrating. I basically said, I'm going to leave and take my family with me. And she was like, well, I hope that you will consider an upgrade before, you know, it was, it was a circular conversation. I hung up, I called my son, who's a freshman in college this year. And I said, I don't even know what to do. And he said, can I call and say, my mom is upset. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, yes, you can, you have my permission. And he found a different agent, had a wonderful experience. We got the money back. Everything's fine. But it just goes to show how inconsistent those moments can be and how detrimental one experience can be to a relationship that has gone on for, I think, almost yeah. a decade. I had a very similar experience, uh, Sean. It's very, it's related to this. I had someone call me yesterday that was just reading a script. Didn't even pause. It's like mm-hmm. she was she was trying to sell me. Would you like to receive information about this webinar around content marketing or something along those lines? And I couldn't even pause her and say no. And she just kept on going. And then literally she hung up on me. She's like, mm-hmm. okay, I'll send it to you. Click, bye. I'm like, yep. 
what just happened? <laughs> she got her numbers. That's what happened. Yeah, exactly. She got her numbers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she's being measured by numbers. And if she don't yep. get those numbers, she doesn't get paid. Yes. Yeah. Right? So, yep. Yeah. And mine, um, and I took this actually to, to LinkedIn, so I'll even say the brand because um, I have a favorite clothing brand, um, which is a brand called Psycho Bunny. And I had placed an order, and this is a couple months ago, and the order never showed up. And all of a sudden, one day, and I'll never forget the date. It's weird. August 28th, I get an email saying your order has been delivered. And so I call my wife and I'm like, hey, did that box arrive? She's like, nope. I'm like, can you go ask the neighbors? So all in all, I get an email that says it's been delivered. It never was delivered. Long story short, send them an email. They don't respond back to me but they refund my money and cancel my order. None of which I asked for, yeah. <laughs> right? But I will say this, I took it to social media um, and this is where the power of social media is. This is a, yep, ra- a shout out to you, Randy. <laughs> Their VP of experience and head of marketing um, saw it, connected with me and within a day, I was on the phone with someone at Psycho Bunny. They sent me the whole order for free, gave me a gift card. And now, because of that, I'm an even bigger champion of how they just resolved it. Mm -hmm. Service recovery. Service recovery. But it came out of what you were just talking about, though, Jeannie, inconsistency. This goes back to where we started our calls or our conversations earlier. You have got to empower your frontline. And I think that person thought they were empowered, but never in my email, never did I say, I want the order canceled. Yep. Yep. That's a really, really good point. And I love these comments about Brian had a good one and now this one. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about is how it takes in any relationship in your life, anyone it takes at least 12 positive experiences to overcome one negative one. And so what that tells us is that we have to really invest in those positive moments because those negative moments will happen. And I refer to this like an emotional bank, right? We need to have enough in that emotional bank so that when things go wrong, just like you're talking about, Sean, you have enough trust built up with the brand as a customer so that when, when they correct it, you're willing to forgive them. You're willing to kind of see past one or two things. And I think that we don't really think about that enough when we're talking about customer experience. Sometimes people talk about it in, as a very reactive thing. And really, we need to be proactive. We need to really yeah. plan and design experiences that are amazing. And that doesn't mean every single moment has to be wow and over the top. It means that we just have to help customers achieve the goal they're trying to achieve in an easier, faster, more convenient way. And we need to look for moments where we can turn the volume up on delight, on humor, on humanity, all these things. So I think that this is why I love the work though. Like it's so nuanced and it's so interesting and there's there's so much to do all the time, but we impact people's lives. And I don't think we should ever, ever forget that because that's what keeps me going. Are we going to go on the next one, rapid fire? And this is really a rapid fire, so I need a quick response. (laughs) Sorry, Randy. (laughs) (laughs) Versus the other two, which we all went into, um, which is great, but I appreciate that. Um, You have a customer support issue. 
with a recently purchased product, uh, do you email, chat, or call? Mm. Uh, if I can do it via chat and it be done, I'll do it via chat. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree All with right, that. There you go. It depends how complicated. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, there you go. Again, I All think right. that's the hard thing about that. Depends on yep. industry, depends how, but overall I would say chat. Chat is where you start. All right, uh, next, uh, this is related to both of your guys' podcasts, so Combustion Chronicles from Sean and Crack the Code with Jeannie and your buddy Adam. Adam Chorik is my co-host, yep. Yeah, uh, so favorite guests or maybe top three that you guys have had? Mm. Uh, we've had a couple on a few times because they're always good. Jay Bear is one of them, uh, Hug Your Haters author and... Yeah. Um, author of several of like six books. He's great. We love him. And then um, the other, the others that we've talked to who have just been interesting. Um, Oveta Sampson, who was at the time uh, with Microsoft talking about AI and how that could impact um, what we're doing. That was a fascinating conversation all about how, you know, humans develop AI. We have to be aware of the biases. We have to be aware of yeah. kind of what the input is in order to get the right output. So those are two that just came to mind. Yeah. Sean? I had more time now to think, so thank you, Jeannie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say uh, I had Ryan Serhant from Million Dollar Listings in New York City. I thought you were going to say Ryan Seacrest, but no. <laughs> Ryan Serhant, and it was just a fun conversation to hear how he started from nothing to where he is today. That's cool. Um, Emily Chang, if you have not, she is CEO of the McCann Group um, in China. Um, but more importantly, she wrote a book called The Spare Room. Um, changed my life completely in just reading her book. Um, and recently, it's not even out yet, because I just actually did the interview yesterday, Robin Daniels. Um, and he is um, out of Denmark. Um, and he was a former, he helped IPO um, several companies and he was part of the team that was supposed to IPO WeWork. Mm -hmm. um, and to hear his story, um, story is pretty, was pretty powerful. Wow. Cool. We'll have to tune into that podcast and uh, get his book. All right. Uh, if you had one celebrity to answer your customer support call, this could be a celebrity, meaning musician, dead or alive. It could be an actor, actress, whatever it might be. Who would answer that call for you? And this mm. person would solve everything. It'd be like, you'd call and you could have been like so mad and pissed off. But now this person comes on and like, all right, everything's taken care of. Um, Steve Harvey. <laughs> there you go. I like that. That's a new one. We haven't heard that one before, but I think he's a, he's a good I just love Steve voice Harvey. And and his, funny. Yeah, he's funny, um, but he's not afraid to address the things that need to be addressed. <laughs> yeah. Jeannie, how about you? Um, I'm kind of debating, uh, but I would say Paul Rudd would be good because he would really know kind of when to be humorous and when to bring levity to the situation. So I think he would be good. There we go. We got to get them on the call centers. Yeah. Let's tag them. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. We think you might want to change your profession to same. Um, <laughs> Let's see. You know, so actually, sometimes they do that, right? During the uh, like the fundraisers that they have, sometimes yeah. they're over in Hollywood answering the phone calls. It's always fun. 
All right. Uh, so those are the end of the rapid fire. Thank you all for joining us on this podcast today. It's been awesome. Uh, last few comments here. Stephen, the CX systems that we have in place are perfectly designed to produce the results we are getting. Yep. W. Edwards Deming before the interwebs. That's right. That's a famous one. Uh, we had another question, but I think we'll, we're running out of time. Uh, so for those of you who have stayed on this long, thank you so much. Uh, so I want to give away uh, some just kind of gratitude to those that are within the CX profession. So the first 10 people that email podcast at unifor.com with their most memorable customer experience will win a $10 Starbucks gift card. Only applicable to those in the United States and Canada. Apologize for that. Uh, but if you guys want to do that, go ahead and do that. So again, that's the first 10 people. Email us your most memorable customer experience, most memorable conversation, and you can win a $10 Starbucks gift card. So with that, um, thank you, Sean and Jeannie. This has been great. Some really good debates back and forth. Some good questions coming in from everyone. Uh, any uh, final comments? And then uh, definitely tell us how we can reach out to you as well. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. This was fun. I want to do this again. I, lo <laughs> I loved everything um, about it. Best place um, you can uh, find me is obviously on LinkedIn, um, or you can send an email to hello at seannason.com or hello at experienceevangelist.com. And um, that will get to me. So I'm happy to carry on these conversations again. Awesome. Yeah. Jenny, yourself? Well, thank you, Randy. Thank you, Sean. This was so fun. And thank you to every single customer experience change yeah. agent, leader, professional out there fighting the good fight because it's really, really important. So I love that we have a day to just celebrate the people in the trenches doing the work. Uh, you can find me at uh, Jeannie Walters at uh, LinkedIn, as well as my courses on LinkedIn Learning, and then at Experience Investigators. Dot com And the mission of my company is to create fewer ruined days for customers. And we do that through empowering leaders. So it just, this helps me live my mission. So thank you for that too. Awesome guys. Well, thanks. Uh, so we'll put these all in the show notes. We'll compile them on a blog. If you haven't checked out our uh, blog, go to unifor.com and you can check out our blog. We have the top CX podcasts that we think bring real value. So those are listed there, Sean and, and genies are on there as well. Thank you. So make sure you do that. Uh, and without further ado, this is the end of another great episode of Conversations That Matter, a podcast by Unifor. Thanks, guys. Have a wonderful day. And make sure to uh, give some gratitude to those CX professionals out there in the world. Have a great day. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations That Matter. Subscribe to our podcast for more great content. And if you want to learn more about the topic we discussed, visit unifor.com today.